Welcome to When Love Doesn't Fix It, a podcast by two adoptive mothers who want to shed light on the other side of adoption. Are you an adoptive mother who is struggling to feel heard and understood? You may have even been told that you are the problem. We are Naomi and Kim, friends and moms who have adopted through private adoptions and foster care adoption. Join us as we share our stories and what we have learned through the School of Hard Knocks. As a reminder, we do not offer legal or medical advice here. Anything said is a reference to what we did for our families. Please seek professional advice when needed. Welcome to the very first episode of When Love Doesn't Fix It. Today we're going to be talking about how it all started, the purpose behind our podcast, and just a little bit about who we are. Kim and I spent a lot of time talking in the last few years, and I would occasionally just jump in with, hey, we should we should have a <laughs> podcast, because we talk about a lot of these topics in our daily life. And then we decided that we reached a point where we realized it probably should be a podcast. Some of the things we wanted to cover would be connecting with other parents who come from foster and adoptive families, especially ones that need support. Like we've definitely both gone through periods where we really needed support and we were there for each other. We also wanted to help spread awareness for the needs um, of those families. And then we wanted to inspire others to help understand those families and maybe even become one. It's, it just was like kind of one of those things that's been weighing on both of our hearts for a while. We both have just pretty recently ended foster cases and with adoption. And we just realized that there was a sort of a need there, I guess, that we wanted to help fill a little bit. So maybe Kim can talk a little bit about how Kim and Naomi came to be. (laughs) Yeah, so we met um, about 11 years ago. A mutual friend uh, on Facebook um, introduced us uh, because we both had a very strong interest in adoption. So, and from there, we just, our friendship, you know, we did business together. And then honestly, I don't even know that we talked a whole lot until we both at practically the same time received kinship foster kids. Um, And roughly, uh, maybe your youngest and the one that we had uh, are like a few days apart, really. That's when we started talking more at first. um, My sister was kind of like talking, like she would kind of almost like talk like hey Naomi asked this and then I finally decided why am I not just talking to Naomi too she's my friend (laughs) Naomi how did you become interested in adoption so when we first met we were looking at adoption simply because we were coming from a place of like our infertility at the time Mm -hmm. and so you know Sam and I had actually talked about adoption before we even got married as a possibility we both have families that would be really open to that We felt like it was a great thing, but through all that, we never felt like we were getting a green light for adoption. We just always felt like God was saying, wait. And it's really interesting interesting to know that like when we see how we ended up as a foster family, um, there was a reason that God was telling us to wait. Uh, And it was really, actually, it was really hard because I remember watching you guys get licensed and things and thinking like, oh, it's just, it's not happening for us. But we really reached a point where we wanted to add to our family and we just weren't quite sure where that was going to happen. And I remember for you guys, you guys were licensed. Uh, So we were licensed first in uh, Texas uh, way back in about 2010. 
And we are licensed as a foster to adopt family. Uh, so in the state of Texas at that time, they had families that didn't take uh, foster kids. They only took what they called legally free children. Uh, that's what we are licensed to do. But we actually ended up having a job change. And so we moved out of Texas before we were ever matched with children. But we did go through all of that foster because even as a foster to adopt family, you still go through all the training as a, like as a foster family. So we went through all the training then. And then we ended up in Colorado in uh, 2015, just after I had our sixth baby. Hmm. Uh, we wanted to adopt. That was always on our hearts because even when I think back to when my husband and I were dating, like that's just always been on my heart. And it was really important to me that whoever I married be on board with that. Because honestly, when I asked him about it and I kind of asked in an ambiguous way, that way he didn't give me the answer that I wanted. And so when he, he said he was absolutely interested in adoption, that's good because if he'd said no, if he had yeah. said uh, you know, I just don't think I could ever love him like my own or yeah, I just know. Then uh, I, it was like within our first week of the relationship and I would just have been like, all right, sorry. Uh, I'm weird. I was asking questions that were like deal breakers in our first week of dating because I needed to know before I dated this guy for like a year and then found out maybe he didn't even want kids at all. So anyway, so we ended up in 2015 doing a home study. And when you have six kids, your options become very limited. You know, some international countries won't let you adopt. And so we, and most birth mothers will not choose you. There are some. So anyway, we started looking into special needs adoption. And that was uh, that November of 2015, we were matched and adopted a little uh, heart baby. His name was Jaden. Um, Jaden only lived for three months, uh, which was a shock to everybody. They, even though he had a lot of health things going on, he still had a really good prognosis. So then right about a year after Jaden died, we adopted an eight-year-old girl in a private adoption. And then right after New Year's of 2020, we were asked to be a kinship foster family of a three-month-old baby boy um, who we later adopted in 2022. And then also, I'd, I would be remiss to mention that uh, also in May of 2021, we were asked at that time to be a kinship foster family to a 15-year-old boy that went to my son's school. And he was with us for just under six months. Uh, and then he went back to his birth mom and he's doing really well. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's a lot. It really is. I mean, that's, you know, you already have a house full, um, but to be able to just take all those kids in when they needed them, it's pretty amazing. Kim, we both talked about like before we did this, that we, we both had something that we kind of wanted to just share right off the bat. Like what was the one thing that you wish people knew about adoption? So I think for me, uh, when I see people talk about wanting to adopt I see, you know, churches do like Adoption Sunday, those types of things. It feels all rainbows and sunshine to me. And even many times I have people talk to me, they're like, hey, you know, we're thinking about adopting. And I can see the rainbow and sunshine in their eyes. Um, and it's the idea that love is like, and love being like hugs and kisses and home cooked food and all those types of things uh, will just fix everything. Um, there's a phrase that I've heard often that I personally don't like. It's called adoption rocks. And the reason I don't like it is just because it portrays almost like a party thing to me. Like adoption's amazing. And while the, you know, when you look at like the concept is amazing and that these children can have homes, 
the reality is, is that the level of parenting is one that I had never known before. And love in adoption, especially, you know, if you're not talking about like infant adoption, but adoption of children that have had some really big trauma. Now, we're going to break down trauma later. And I do understand that even an infant, you know, place from the birth mother to adoptive parents, that there is still trauma there. I'm talking more of the abuse, neglect trauma. When you're talking about that, love looks like really strong boundaries, uh, willing be uh, being willing to call out behavior uh, for what it really is. Uh, love is spending hard hours, long hard hours, and thousands of dollars sometimes on therapy. Uh, adoption's hard. I would agree. It really is. Uh, so, Naomi, how about your story? I've spent a lot of time talking, but uh, how about your story. We're just giving abbreviated stories right now. We're going to get more into the, the nuts and bolts of our stories in the next uh, couple podcasts, but can you give us your abbreviated version? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we knew that there was the potential for fertility issues. Like before we even got married, I already said that, like we had talked about adoption um, when we were engaged. We knew we both come from really large families. I come from a family that has 10 kids. Sam comes from a family that has nine kids. Two of his sisters are no longer living. Um, but we knew that our families would really be supportive of adoption. And that's definitely still true today. But we went through this period of time where we we just felt like God was really asking us to wait. And it was really hard. But while while we were waiting, I was like, okay, I'm not really someone who can just, uh, you know, he'd been told like we just couldn't get pregnant for unspecific reasons. So I was like, okay, well, let's look at some things that could possibly help with fertility. I started living a really natural life. And we were actually really surprised um, after... Um, I think it was about nine years of marriage to find out that I was pregnant. And like, it was such a surprise that when I showed Sam the pregnancy test, he was just sort of like, you need to take another one. Like he didn't believe me. (laughs) Um, So yeah, a little awkward moment there. Like we never got the excitement of being pregnant so much as the like arguing over whether or not (laughs) I was actually pregnant. And I wanted to have these beautiful, wonderful, natural pregnancies. And I did really enjoy my first pregnancy. However, both of my two pregnancies that we had ended up with complicated births, very complicated. In my second one, I almost died. And in each of them, my son had a NICU stay. So I have two sons, both of them are NICU babies. One was just slightly premature at like 32 weeks. The other one, I'm sorry, not 32 weeks, I believe. Yeah, 32 weeks. And then my other was quite a bit, he was a micro preemie at 29 weeks. My second son was in the NICU. We actually met the first family of my adoptive son and daughter. And what ended up happening is we stayed in touch a little bit on Facebook. And then they actually asked us to foster their newborn daughter in December of 2019, when they found out she needed to go into foster care. So we literally like became a foster kinship family in four hours. Yeah, it was crazy. I went from decorating the Christmas tree to checking my phone to like looking at my husband saying, can we take a baby? And it's funny because (laughs) I had actually like been talking about maybe we weren't done, even though my last pregnancy had ended with such complications, I was told I should never have more children physically. There's a little irony there too, because the, the doctor that I had with that pregnancy, well, I guess I should say with that birth, he actually said, um, adoption would be easier for us. And that was not true. Um, I think I'd probably rather almost die in pregnancy than go through um, everything we went through with our adoption story. Yeah. But we ended up saying yes to her. 
And then literally three weeks later, they decided to, um, the Department of Child Services decided to pull all of her siblings. She had to count, she had six older siblings and one of them had been in our home before. So we ended up saying that we would take him. He's also closest in age to my youngest. They're six days apart. And I know a lot about like the complications that come from being a preemie. So I felt I was possibly better equipped to handle him. In fact, I look back and I think we probably went through a lot of what we went through to be able to advocate for him. So we got these kids, we knew nothing. And, you know, we're going to break it down in a further podcast, but we basically spent a little over three years um, as a kinship foster family. There were a lot of twists and turns, and you'll just have to keep listening to find out more about that. But last week, yeah. we actually went to the courthouse. Yay. Finally, um, Kim was there. That was fun. Yeah, she got so to come fun. too. We got to make our family official. So we're now a family of six. We got to drop the foster title um, to our family, right. which is just one thing that we really wanted to do. And just uh, we're really looking forward to kind of moving forward um, without the department in our lives we do have um while my kids were in care there was a seventh i'm sorry an eighth sibling born and we are still waiting for her adoption to take place because there's some legal things that legal ducks that need to be gotten in a row there um but we are looking very forward to all going to the courthouse for her to get adopted we can keep all these kids together and we're really looking forward to celebrating that soon that's so awesome. So Naomi, what is one thing that you wish people knew about adopting? Okay, well, <laughs> that's kind of where this podcast title came from. I think we've said it before. Um, but yeah. when I, we first started out, I had so many people telling me that we could just love these kids. And magically, it would heal a variety of things. Um, except my personal experience was that while love was important, it was not the only thing we needed in our home. Um, in fact, like really early on, I had a friend who has adopted, just told, she told me over Facebook Messenger to kind of take love out of the equation. Um, would we, yeah. could we care for these kids? Could we champion for them without love being a factor? You know, would we love them even if it didn't fix anything? And I really, really appreciate that because our answer was yes. For us, for our family, yes. But I wish people knew that love alone is not like a magic fix for the brokenness of foster care and adopting from foster care. Like there's so much. We, we've started saying a lot, a lot in our home, we'll say adoption is both or adoption is and because yeah. there's this heap of emotions that comes with it. I mean, like we're breaking a family apart to make mm -hmm. a new one through adoption. And like I say this a lot, this is like quote that gets attributed to me sometimes. It's not normal because it's not normal. Like it's, it, right. it is a beautiful thing, but it's not a normal thing. And you're going to be fighting that um, yeah. just like in your, in everything. And so it just, I just wish that more people knew the hurt and the trauma that really comes into these kids' lives because, and yeah. that's like why we started doing this is because we wanted people to be heard yeah. and seen. Um, and then those who are interested in fostering um, or possibly adopting through foster care, we really wanted them to just have their eyes open to what they could be getting themselves into. Not to try to talk you out of it. There were times when we had people try to talk us out of this and we had already fallen in love. We wanted to help. We couldn't yeah. imagine our lives without these kids. 
but they, you know, there were definitely people who were like, are you sure this is what you want to do with your life? And sometimes I'll, I'll talk to people who want to foster and you can see that like that little rainbows um, and sunshine magic. Yeah. The magic yeah. gleam in their eyes. And there's nothing wrong with really wanting to help children. Like there really, yeah. really isn't what you get through like foster licensing and stuff does not prepare you for the brokenness that you're going to be facing. Yeah. One thing I found was the realities of emotional immaturity. Uh, was something I wasn't prepared to deal with on a daily basis. It is so much harder than it sounds. Yes, it really, it really is. Like it, you know, a lot of people talk about how hard 2020 was. Well, the beginning of 2020, (laughs) I had four kids under the age of four. Right. Forget the lockdown. Like my mental health was a mess. And I, I, one of our kids was extremely difficult. And I spent a lot of my time just trying to regulate him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it actually took me about a year to realize like I needed to take care of myself too, or I wasn't going to be able to help my kids. So that's, you know, like we just decided to join together um, and start this and see where it would go, you know, because we have so many times needed to talk about different things that we've bounced off each other. A lot of it's just kind of like, is this normal? Like, is this how you felt? And it was so good to hear someone else say like, yes, this is exactly how it feels right to go through what you're doing. And I think a lot of times we'd be like, well, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was kind of hoping it wasn't normal. Um, but it is, it is, there's a lot of hard stuff that is normal. Um, when you're working with these children, when you're working through with the system, um, you know, when you're working with everything, like we've had so many different things that like, I look at like that I see as like negative elements, you know, cause we've had we've had great caseworkers and we've had awful caseworkers. We've had great judges and then we've had awful judges. You've had you know, an like this insane whole... amount of people involved in your case, which I yeah. know we'll talk about more, but mm-hmm. we were very blessed that we did not have that many, but yeah, you definitely had a you're, crazy number. You're still working with this within this system and the system isn't really like we come from, we both come from the state of Indiana. So we probably should mention that like, some of the things we're going to talk about are going to be probably specific to our state simply because right. that's what we know. Uh, and unfortunately in our state, they do not really, it's not child centered. I recently saw that phrase where um, when you're working within a broken system, what's the most important thing you can focus on and it's to focus on the child. And unfortunately in our state, they are focused on maintaining the family. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's been my experience. And yeah, um, not it agree can be that. really, really, okay. It's, it can be really, really hard because foster care you feel should be what is safe for the child, what right. is appropriate for the child. We kind of wanted to get that out there too, is just to help people realize like what we're fighting against in a way and what needs to change. We also wanted to make sure, you know, we were helping people realize how that foster families need help. And, you know, we'll probably have some episodes where we talk about how you can actually help people who are fostering mm-hmm. or even have adopted because um, their families are different and they can have a lot more difficulties in a normal family. They can have a lot more obstacles. And so they may actually just need someone to step in occasionally and help. Yeah. So we want to be able to just kind of bring some awareness to that. And then I think something else that we just, we talked about covering, um, like we've even seen that with like even friends and family members is that yeah sometimes there's prejudice or even like a lack of awareness of what can happen in a blended family. Yeah. And so, so we just kind of wanted to bring some awareness to some of that because I think that it can be 
difficult. Like if you're not actually involved in this and you're looking from the outside in, it's one of those things where, yeah, you can have empathy. Yes, you can have sympathy, but you, you can possibly understand, like I was not this passionate about foster care three years ago, right? <laughs> you know, because I had no idea what we were going, you know, getting in for. But now yeah. that I know, it's like one of those things where you can't unsee it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I was thinking, when when I entered into the world of foster care and adoption, I was not ready for the amount of judgment from others. It's like mm-hmm. you've never experienced before. People don't understand what these kids have gone through. And it's really hard for us to try and educate without also telling our children's stories, which, you know, in some cases, it's just you know, it's just not really our place to say, oh, this is what happened to them. So it's really hard. And I personally uh, felt a loss of friendships and relationship uh, as people, you know, would see how, because it looks like I'm treating someone differently, but really I'm doing my very best to parent for that child and that child's individual needs. And unfortunately, because that emotional immaturity we talked about earlier, that's not the same. So like when we had the teenage boy, uh, my sons at the time were 18, 16, and then he's 15. And then my daughter was, I think, 13. And so by sticking him right in the middle of the teenagers, his caseworker thought, well, this is going to be good. He'll see how the other kids behave and he'll do that too. And I don't know if this caseworker is brand new to everything because that is not how this works. No. And I remember (laughs) thinking it was worse for him than the previous family he'd been with who only had little ones because it emphasized where he was not emotionally ready for different responsibilities and privileges, but the others were, they were able to do things and he wasn't. So it looks like I'm favoring my birth children when really I'm saying, no, this kid is not ready for that yet. So that's, I can't remember exactly why I got off on that tangent there, (laughs) but in talking about how other, how we can support each other, and how um, we can ha- maybe try to educate friends and family and how to better help those around you that are in this similar situation. The first thing is grace. You don't understand everything that's going on and why those decisions have been made. And it may look like they're treating this one differently. And to be honest, we are. But it's not because, you know, it's like we hate them or don't like them. <laughs> But we're seeing where they're ready. At a slight advantage, when I look, our adopted daughter is now, uh, she's almost 15. And so she's kind of thinking about learning how to drive. And I can tell from the emotional maturity, she's not ready. Mm. And I'm really thankful that actually so my oldest has le- some learning challenges. And so he didn't get his permit until he was he was almost 17. And then with COVID, he was even a little bit further along because uh, he he missed getting his driver's license uh, by like uh-huh. 18 hours his versus when COVID shut them down. I didn't so. get my license till I was 21. So yeah, I just was so, ready. Yeah. So, you know, it's, but we already had that precedence in our family to say, Hey, this is not a, when you're 16, you go get your license. Mm-hmm. So I'm really thankful for that because anytime she starts talking about it, I'm like, you know, I'm not quite sure, but remember you don't have to get it at this age. Tyler didn't get his Because, again, we have to parent, I mean, all of our children regardless, but especially when we have children with extra needs, we have to parent them where they are. Yeah, and that was something I was totally unprepared for. So we'll get into it further, but, um, you know, our adoptive son, he was quite neglected. 
and he is very very emotionally stunted like he's he's actually physically he's still far behind his peers um, which is hard to see because he and my birth son are actually six days apart and you, we can see that he often gets mistaken as a twin for his sister and she's like 16 months younger than he is and she's actually very, very smart. She's very articulate emotionally. She is more advanced than he is. And so sometimes it's very hard because we have to parent him from a place that is different even from his sister because he's not in the same place that she is. And that can look really, really, it's almost like it could look like we're being prejudiced to anyone who was observing and not truly understanding what's going on. And we just, yeah, we just wanted to kind of open ourselves up a little bit to show people like this may not be what you think it is and to let other adoptive parents and foster parents know like you're not the only one going through this this is really it's really hard yet like there are resources we're going to talk about trauma we're going to talk about some things that can help trauma like you know we've got some big plans here as far as being a resource and helping others but at the same time sometimes you just need to get something off of your chest Right. And if it can share, if you could help other people, like why not? So that's that's basically the goal that we had here was to to just come together and to just kind of chat out some of these things that we've already been going over, like for years now. We've talked about um, just through Facebook Messenger and get them out there so that other people can possibly benefit from some of the things that we know. And we are yeah. definitely open to learning. So we're gonna we're actually really excited. We've already got a guest list started. Of people that we can have on here like we're uh, really excited to be able to share uh, we we have we both have such varied experiences ourselves and then yeah. we know so many other people that have varied experiences as well so we're going to try to you know cover some topics that you like you may not actually hear in other places uh, such as like what is fostering versus adopting versus guardianship mm-hmm. um you know, we talked, I mean, maybe you want to add some other topics that we are, we have on our list, but like, basically we just want to talk about like how you could advocate for your children, probably talk about some of the differences that we have to have in our family for biological children versus adoptive children. That's yeah. a really hard topic too, because people really do think that there is no difference. And yeah. I don't know if I get flack for saying that, but it's, it's different. It really is. And I think that was another thing that really surprised my husband and I was that just like at its core they're not your children and you say yes to them and they become your children legally but there are things that you just that are different and it took us a while to actually just acknowledge like yeah this is different it's not what we were expecting at all there's been some amazing magical moments I love you know watching my kids gel Uh, we were really surprised with adoption to see them actually gelling even further it was almost like they were like okay we're a family now. That's great. Uh, Cause I wasn't really expecting it to be much different, to be honest, when we adopted. Yeah. So yeah. there's, you know, there's still a lot of positive stuff. We're going to share some, some pretty cool stories of, of ways that, you know, people have stepped into sort of be God's hands and feet in our, in our lives and, you know, things happening that we didn't know we needed and stuff. But like overall, we just wanted to just kind of break it down and help yeah. people understand like what, what this looks like, what it is. And why love isn't the thing that is going to fix it. Thanks for joining us on When Love Doesn't Fix It. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and join us next time.